Welcome back to Other Tone. Today's episode is with Anya Taylor-Joy. She's the star of Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which has been seen by over 65 million households. Whoa. Probably the biggest show that's happened during the pandemic. Yeah. This was an amazing experience to speak to her because I didn't realize how spiritual our conversation would end up being. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Nah, um, she put a spell on me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, like... I think she put a spell on me, but she was looking at Pharrell. Pharrell, to the, he, they had some sort of goddamn, like, moon stars and connections. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I see through you. It's like, I see through you. I don't know. Scott, you, you didn't get none of that? She saw right through you to Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, let's get it, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> this is Anya Taylor-Joy on Other Tone. Other tone, 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 tone. Wow. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So you guys are in Miami? Yes, we're in Miami. Nice. You in London? I am in London. It is so fucking cold, man. You have no idea. Oh my God. Like so cold. And is that where you live most of the time? Yeah, I actually just bought my first house, which makes me really happy because I have not lived anywhere for the last six years. So this is the first time that I've actually unpacked my suitcase and thought, this might stay here for a while. I might not need to repack this anytime soon, Um, which feels, feels really good. Very grounding. So how do you pronounce your name? Anya. Um, and people get it wrong all the times. And the closest thing I found to get people to remember is Anya, like aneurysm, which isn't the best, but people tend to remember. So I need to, I need to find a better one, but you know, it's been years of people calling me Anya and eventually I've had to be like, that's not my name. Anya got it right this time. Yeah. (laughs) Nice one. Let me just say, I wish I had a much better approach in saying this to you because I know it is probably textbook for you at this point of people telling you how talented you are and how spellbinding it is to watch you. Like you're really something else. I mean, first of all, the writer is brilliant. Yes. But your embodiment is is a whole other level. Like you're... Thank you. When's your birthday? Here we go, 16th Scott. 16th of April. <laughs> yeah. Aries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost a triple. I got saved. I think too much fire would... I have enough fire. I've got a tiny bit of Taurus in me and I'm grateful for that. Oh, this is going to be good. When, <laughs> when is your, uh, your, your, your... What is this, guy? When is your uh, ascending moon? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, P breaks it down. He he he's a master at this. So when you said triple, that means that you understand it too. Me and Scott still trying to hang on it and, and get it. So <laughs> go ahead, bro. But no, thank thank you so much for for your kind words. I I really appreciate them. Thank you. No, you're something else. And here's the thing. So you have this what I feel like is an accent. But then where were you born? So I was born in Miami. I was born where you are right now. Um because my parents had my two older siblings there and they didn't want me to be different. So they had me over there. But my accent's all over the place because I only learned English when I was eight. And so I tend to mimic people. Mm. So yeah, I don't don't know if I have an accent. All I know is that sometimes I'm grateful when a character has like a clear accent because then I know what's going to come out of my mouth. When I'm speaking, I'm just, I I never know. I never know what accent I'm going to be talking in. Wow. What are the different accents that come out? Oh, so my best friend's Scottish. So that that comes out Irish. Um, the second I land in the States, it's very difficult to not go straight American. Wow. And that's weird because it's not my voice. Like what I consider to be my voice is the way that I sound when I talk to my mom. And that's like more English, but it has a bit of like a Spanish lilt to it because we speak Spanglish at home. That's like our language. Um, so yeah, it can be a bit disconcerting not knowing what I'm going to sound like. That sounds fun. <laughs> it freaks other people out. 
<laughs> that's that's the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> I I also just need to say I'm I'm a fan. Just so you understand, I also need to say I feel like I could be wrong, but your agent or you know your manager or whoever is probably having to but to beat all of the designers off with a stick. Like I can't imagine that you're not a designer's dream. I mean. I'm so grateful that I under, like, I learned how to understand clothes through character. I learned the magic of clothes through characters because when I was a kid, I grew up on a farm and I was always wearing my brother's hand-me-down clothes, like just always muddy, always with the horses and ducklings and like the whole shebang. And then when I found like the magic of being in a costume fitting and seeing the person arrive, that's when I was like, oh my goodness clothes are amazing. Like, this is fantastic. I want to play with them for the rest of my life. So, um, yeah, I feel very grateful that I have the opportunity to play with fashion now. Wow. And I love your hair color today. Thank you. <laughs> but the, the, the red from that series? Oh, so Ooh. like, I wanted to be a redhead my whole life, my whole life. It was like, I'm going to be a redhead. That's what I'm supposed to be. And I was planning on dyeing my hair red as soon as I finished the last movie I just did, which was a week ago. But now that the show's so successful, I'm like, I don't know if that's the right thing to do at this <laughs> yeah. current moment in time. Um, but hopefully next year. I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm ready for it. I mean, how long ago did they film Queen's Gambit? This time last year. Really? That quick? Yeah, which is wacky. And we shot in Berlin, which was like, talk about dreams coming true. I mean, in terms of manifestation, I went on a press tour, my first big press tour. We stayed in this wonderful hotel in Berlin and I walked into this room and I thought, I want to live here one day. I want to live here. I don't know how I'm going to live in this hotel, but like, I want to live here. And then Scott, our director, writer, producer, everything, you know, God, uh, he was like, do you want to shoot in Canada or Berlin? And I was like, Berlin. Immediately. Like, I just, I want to live in Berlin. Please let me do that. Wow. wow. What is it about Berlin? This is going to sound silly, but the avenues are literally so wide that there is enough space for everybody to be exactly who they want to be without infiltrating anybody else's airspace. Whoa. Like, people care about you, but they don't care. Like, they're so into what they're doing with their own passion that you literally feel like you can do whatever you want. And that's, you know, acceptable and cool. Plus dancing Sundays at 12 p.m. Mm. till 8 p.m. When you're working the way that I was working, that's my dream. Oh, okay. I think that's where Bowie loved to live was Berlin. There's one shot in the show where we filmed where Bowie recorded Heroes and I died. Oh, I wow. completely died. Yeah. That's cool. How lucid are your dreams? <laughs> They're very lucid. <laughs> I feel like it's crazy because we're looking at each other through a computer screen, but I feel like you're looking right through me. I have very intense, mm -hmm. very lucid dreams. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have recurring dreams too, and they freak me out. They're like, great. But the next day when I'm trying to describe them to somebody, they're just like, that sounds really traumatic. And I'm like, no, it was, it was beautiful. It's just, you know, it's, it's clearly showing up something that I have to deal with in in this reality on a scale of one to 10 um how would you say your ability to manifest things or speak things into existence what do you think your rate is i don't want to rate myself but i do think there's a reason it's called spelling words are mm -hmm. spells mm -hmm. you know if you it's difficult because i think especially if someone's going through a really hard time and your advice is just see it, honestly, like just see it and believe in it with all of your heart. And I swear it's going to come to you. That can be something that's difficult to translate. But when, when you see it happening, it's, it's just the truth, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes all the sense in the world. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see you. I think you see me. Mm -hmm. That's the funny thing. Mm -hmm. But we, I see you. We see You're, you. We see you both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... No, nah, I'm joking. No, nah, but no, listen, Anya, Anya, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but yeah, bro, what made I you do. ask about the dreams? Because you can... She's dead. No, no, you can't. What made you ask? You see it. I'm trying to figure out what made you ask. You see it. So help me see why you asked about dreams. What do you see? 
basically. What do y'all see that me and Scott's trying to see? <laughs> it's a, you know what? It is the 50-yard line between what I'm looking at and what I'm listening to. Gotcha. That space in between is not empty. That's all feeling. So she's just vibrating like super hard, like super intense. She's vibrates. So like, listen. I, you you could feel that. I do. I can feel the same thing. I'm watching you. I'm seeing you on the 50-yard line too. <laughs> but I'm just trying to figure out like, I'll be feeling it, but he's he's translating it way better. And I know Scott is, Scott feel it too. We 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 blown away and all that, but he just be communicating it so, so much better. And then I'm like, shit, that's something I want to know. But I just it, I wouldn't have never asked you, so I just just wanted to see where he was. You know, I get it. Like the thing is, is like your your dreams are literally like your mind communicating things to you in a in a language it knows that you'll receive better. Mm. Right. Yes. So. It, your mind is super creative. I just want to know why all my dreams are me like rescuing my dog in fires or shootouts. Or... <laughs> well, you clearly love your dog very much. And it's like a, it's a symbol of you losing something or having to protect the things that you love and the things that make you feel safe. Mm -hmm. That's the real reason. But um, no, about dreams, I was just going to say that they're also a very good way of showing you what you in your waking life don't want to know. Or mm. are like putting a ton of stuff on top of or distracting yourself. These human beings, we're, we're incredible, but like we're so good at adapting, but we're also so good at forgetting all of the lessons that we learn. Like that's why I love, just going to get really witchy for a second, but that's why I love paying attention to the moon because the moon, you know, there's a new moon and a full moon every single month, which means that you, if you like choose to commune with it, you get to sit down and like implement the lessons that you're learning and think about what it is. Cause otherwise you'll forget. It's way too easy to forget. There's too many distractions. Yep. Wow. These are all facts, by the way. Mm -hmm. The moon is the resetter. That's why I like, interestingly enough, and, and indigenous communities, they call when a woman is going through her cycle, yeah. it's her going on her moon. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's the same thing. It's like, there's a resetting that's going on you know, in our atmosphere when the moon comes out and it's a resetting that goes on in a, fem a female's body when she goes through her cycle. Interesting that it's the same amount of days. That's crazy. On on the last full moon, I was in a, I was in Ireland and I had this incredible apartment that had floor to ceiling windows and, you know, the poor kids in Ireland, like they haven't gone out very much recently. So they've been setting off fireworks all over the place. And I could see all of these crazy fireworks going off in my apartment. I lit a ton of candles and then I just like cried for hours listening to Mary J. Blige's doubt like over and over and over again. <laughs> and it was the most wonderful, cathartic, like, and this was before the show came out. And I was like, why am I crying? I don't know, but clearly I need to like let go of something. And then the show came out and I was like, oh, okay, that's why I was crying. Got it. Now I understand it. Hmm. This got so deep so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but yeah, you know what? Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't resist cuz it's like, man, I see you. And I kind of sensed it in the, you know, sometimes people like are such good actors that, you know, you meet them and you're like, "Wow, you're really a good actor. You're not half of what I thought you were." And, you know, and then there are people who are like such great actors but they they're vibrating when they're doing what they do. And you're that to me. Like I knew I knew I, I when I saw you, I was like, "Oh, she is I like to say one of us, but the problem with that is, it just it just sounds like hubris, like well, one of mm -hmm. me. That's it's not what I mean. I just mean people who are like really in tune with the unforeseen. Yeah, you know, because we can, yeah. and and the way you know it is when you feel it. That's when you know it's there. Like you don't see heat, but you can feel it. Yeah, mm. completely. Well, it's it's wild with Beth actually because she um. I I knew the second I finished the book, I was just like, okay, this is going to be an experience. And I've never given as much of myself to a character before. I always, you know, I loved acting because it allowed me to feel empathy for other people. And it made me feel like I could give them a voice that was non-judgmental and kind and yeah, empathetic in a way that, you know, maybe when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily always feel seen or heard. So I kind of went for the underdogs. Whilst with Beth, I was like, I'm going to have to give her a ton of myself. And um, yeah, when I would go to work, 
it was wonderful because I was never reaching for emotion, but also like she and I were just so parallel at that point. You know, she was having a bad day. I would get to work and be like, why do I feel so anxious and sad? Like there's nothing going wrong with my life. And I'm like, ah, they're her feelings. You have to Mm -hmm. be able to separate them, but at the same time, just accept that you're going to have a shitty day today and, you know, put it on screen and, and give it to the character. Um, it was, it was wonderful. It was so cathartic. And I'm so grateful that I had a director who, you know, he's like, Scott's like a dad to me. He adopted me immediately. And he was so open to me being that connected to the character. He never made me feel like I was, I don't know, silly or overwhelmed. Um, he just kind of let me go with it. Is it true that it was originally supposed to be like a two-hour movie, but Scott didn't want to cut all the great things he was getting, and Netflix just said, go ahead and make a miniseries? Yeah, the um, the books, the attempts to adapt this book are varied and numerous over the years. And I think having the opportunity to do it as a limited series is just, it's the right way to go. Because one of my favorite things about this story is that this book has been passed around from creative to creative since it was written. Like creatives love this book because they really connect to her. And um, you're just not going to get all the wonderful little notes of the book in a two hour movie. It's not going to work. And we're quite a faithful adaptation. Mm. The mother was great, man. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she she was good. It's so interesting, actually, because whenever I've seen the show, I, I watched it with uh, my mom and my my best friend, and both of them had such different reactions when Alma came on screen. They were just like, "Oh no, I don't like her. I don't trust her. This is going to be like be very <laughs> bad." And I just never had that thought about her because I guess I saw her through the lens of Beth, which is mm-hmm. this is somebody who, through a transactional agreement will take care of me if I take care of her. And I just thought that was such a fascinating relationship. And Mari was the perfect person to go on that journey with. We just had so much fun. That's actually what I really liked about how it was written was it was so careful about walking a fine line of her, of us thinking, oh, she's drinking, so she's going to do something bad to you. And then it ends up being that, you know, you're kind of taking care of her and she's taking care of you in the same you know, you guys are coming from the same, different places, but the same sort of feeling of it. Well, they're both trying to fill a void. Right. That's what it is. What the hell was she taking? Uh, those pills are tranquilizers. So that, I didn't know that that was the case, but yeah, in the late fifties, um, it was really normal to give kids sedatives in orphanages to make them easier to manage. Wow. Yeah. But the tranquilizers was putting her in a, in, in, a, in a mind state where she could really see, like that was sort of like her advantage of the chess, right? Like, Well, it's what makes it so dangerous is that she discovers chess at the same time that these sedatives are introduced into her life. And so I think mm-hmm. for a, a big chunk of the time that you spend with her, she's not really sure whether she's actually a genius or a conduit for these things. Got you. Do you think you've taken uh, the things that you learned about a chess and applied them into your real life today? I think chess is a pretty good metaphor for life in the sense that you can have a plan, but then once you're in the game, once the game's kicked off, you have to be able to pivot and adapt. Otherwise you're just, Mm. you know, what are you doing? You're not necessarily being alive on that board. Um, And the idea of sacrifice as well, you know, I don't like it when people say you can't have it all because usually that is kind of directed towards women in the sense of like, you can't have it all. You know, you have to pick either being a mom or working or blah, blah, blah. But I do think the idea that you have to come to peace with the idea of some kind of sacrifice is is a pretty good life lesson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who was the nerdiest, most academic person to reach out to you after the show came out? Well, academically, the real Beth Harmon, Judith Polgar, she sent me an email and she was like, I'd love to talk to you to discuss your obvious intelligence. And immediately I just went into like deep fear of, oh my God, it's been so long since I played chess. I played an entirely different character. I know everything about cold water swimming at this point and like how to 
deal with the elements, but how am I going to prepare for this? Um, but she was, she was really sweet. That was cool. But the, the Netflix effect is pretty crazy. I think that's the thing that's shocked me the most is just the, the variety of people who have seen it, you know, it's, and I, it makes me really happy when people are like, oh, my 16 year old's learning how to play chess now, or this is the first show that my 80 year old grandparents have ever binge watched. That's, that makes me really proud and happy. <laughs> but no one stands out as being uh, the, like, I can't believe this person reached out to me. Like, Oh, I mean, a lot of my director heroes have said very kind things. That mm. blew my mind. The person that made me fall to the ground, though, was Patti Smith. Oh, wow. And talk about synchronicity. I was reading, she has this, because um, I love to read, she has this wonderful book called Devotion. And I was reading Devotion while she was watching The Queen's Gambit, and I just lost my mind. Like, I was just... Oh. And Madonna. Uh -huh. Madonna. That was pretty crazy. I like, can see Madonna reaching out. Your DMs me lit. Yeah. <laughs> was the Beth Harmon character, did, that, did this blend other, like, um, chess stories like Bobby Fischer? Like, did some of his story go in here too or no? I think, I think it's just... It's just the book. And what's interesting is people have been very surprised by the portrayal of female genius in a way that is usually reserved for men. You know, we talk a lot about like, you can't become something that you don't see, or it's harder to become something that if you haven't seen it. And so I think a lot of people's perception of like, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a female character and they've given her all of these male attributes. It's like, well, no, there are female geniuses and there are female addicts and they actually behave in a very similar way to male addicts and male geniuses because they're both human. Yeah. So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of works out that way. I love the younger girl that played you. I, I thought she was She's fantastic. Amazing. She was good too. She was, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yes, she was. We had the she, cutest conversation when we first met where she was kind of like a bit down. I was like, Isla, what's up? And she goes, well, they're going to dye my hair red. And in England, especially in school, you know, people get picked on for being quote unquote ginger. And she was like, they're going to, mm. they're going to dye my hair red and they're going to give me these bangs. And we had a great conversation <laughs> where I was like, Isla, I know it seems very stressful right now, but I promise you when you're older, you're going to look back and go, yeah, I was the coolest. Yeah. I definitely yes. should have cut my bangs and I definitely should have had red hair. <laughs> yes. She, yeah. that she was amazing. You were on Peaky Blinders also, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love oh, that that show. Is so much I'm going to go I'm going to go watch it now the whole time. I'm in season 5. Okay. And you will hate my character. She's yeah. vile. <laughs> really vile, very annoying, um but very fun to play. To me that show is, is is also amazing and and one of my favorite parts of the show besides the actual show itself is the music that they use. I love that they mm -hmm. decided to use contemporary music. Uh do you subscribe piece. to um to Nick Cave's Red Hand Files? Sure. <laughs> They're so good. And especially like throughout lockdown, I've just, every time I get one in my inbox, it makes me so excited because I know that he's going to drop some like deep wisdom and make me feel better about whatever's going on in the world. What's that, Scott? I'll send it to you. My man. It's Nick Cave answering fan letters, but like answering them so beautifully, you could call it poetry. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Okay. All right. So you say you just wrapped up a movie. Mm -hmm. You just wrapped up, right? Mm -hmm. What um what do you do on your downtime? I'm figuring that out. Um, so I went to shoot a movie in August, and I knew that because of the pandemic, you know, I'd be trying to isolate the most. And my goal was, okay, let's figure out what would you do if you were in a room completely by yourself for months. Like, what would you need to make yourself happy? So I took a piano, a guitar a whole suitcase full of books and my notebook. And Ooh. I just... So you play too? I'm learning to play. I write, but I'm learning to play because you just come up with better melodies. There's only so much you can do when you're harmonizing with yourself consistently. So you sing? <laughs> so you I sing, do. so you write? Yeah. What kind of music do you think you're making over there? I do not know yet. It, it, it all stemmed from... I always sang, um, but recent... Well since I started working, poetry's really been the way that I just communicate my feelings. And so figuring out what is a poem and what is a song 
is easier to do if you can actually play an instrument. Okay. Um, Because otherwise it's just me like singing into the computer and then like singing a top line over that onto my phone and then just like building up all these vocals and that's music, but like not really a song, if that makes sense. If you could write for any artist, who would you want to write for? Oh, that's so, I mean, I love uh, Florence Welsh's voice. I think her voice is incredible. Um, but someone mm. that I'd be really, and the only reason I mentioned this is because I was talking about it with a friend yesterday. Someone that I'd be really, or a band that I'd be very curious to see how they come up with their lyrics is Alt-J. I just want to know where that comes from. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'd be very, very curious. Um, but yeah. I already know what your playlist looks like. Can you share? <laughs> I probably could. <laughs> This has been amazing. Way it still is. So I'm not. I'm not cutting me. it off. I just wanted to just. <laughs> I was just saying. No, I appreciate it. Um, it's nice to have like a a real conversation. You know, it's it's wonderful that people love the show, and it's it's wonderful to like genuinely. It's a privilege to to answer the same question over and over again for something that you love so much. I feel so so lucky, but it's also wonderful to have like a a very real conversation. So I appreciate it. All right, I got one more question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was this thing you were talking about? I heard you mention um, you were studying pagan mythology. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm always studying pagan mythology. I'm fascinated. Um, I want to know more about it because I don't really, like, enlighten me. I mean, big world. Well, there's, so, but... there's so many, yeah, there's so many pagan religions Pagan mm-hmm. just means, you know, it's polytheistic, means, you know, many different gods or forces that they observe, study, witness, and w- communicate with. Mm. And not necessarily organized in the way that uh, religions nowadays are. There's more room for, like, interpretation and doing your own thing and basically communing with God, the universe, whatever you want to call it as yourself with yourself rather than through somebody else or, you know, being told that there's a specific way to do it. But I was, um, the movie I just wrapped was a Viking revenge story Mm. and they have so many gods. It was fascinating. I got into like runes for the first time ever, which are like Mm. those little stones that have all of Mm -hmm. the markings on them. That was cool. But it's, yeah, it's, I loved doing this job because the majority of the time it was just us outside in the elements, not wearing shoes, freezing and reacting and just, you know, doing it like that. Um, So yeah, it was just fun to get a bit more context into it. Cool. This sounds like uh, something I'd be more interested in. Right, P? Uh, Yeah. Depends on, I mean, there's like, well, like she said, there's like Viking gods, like all the Norse gods, but then there's like um, the gods that you guys know of thus far and, um, you know, the Greek god world, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, the Romans, they had their own set of gods. We're pretty all, much related. All then, this pagan, paganism? Yeah, all of it. It's polytheistic. Yeah. Polytheist. And then there's like the Wiccan world, you know, yeah. witches and... Mm-hmm. And then the one that has, I think, the most set of gods is Hinduism. Yeah. Why did I always think pagan was like evil? It's it's demonized. Okay. You know, it's often demonized. Okay. I mean, depending on, I'm, I'm Christian, Judeo-Christian, but I think that there's room under the sun for everyone because there is. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, literally and physically. I believe that because literally, like as much as... I, you know, something works better for me. Um, there is literally room under the sun for everyone or else they all wouldn't get sunlight. Right? So true. that's the thing. Nicely said. You know, Nicely we wouldn't know. Um, and also like, you don't have to look at it, you know, you can approach it spiritually, but you can also approach it just from the context of history and the context yeah, of mm-hmm. storytelling. Like you read Ovid's Metamorphosis and you understand so much of where theater comes from like even gotcha. the idea of having a chorus in greek theater you know having literal people that stand on the side and like tell you what's going on in the story it's it's fascinating mm-hmm. it is I and mean, you learn so much i mean i'm a huge fan of jesus jesus was jesus studied many religions you know he spent a lot of time um uh in india 
he, you know, study with the Brahmins. Um, I love that as a, as a sentence. I want that on a t-shirt. I'm a huge fan of Jesus. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but religion is religion itself. Religion is the business. Faith is the magic. Yeah. It's two different things. You know, faith is the magic. Because honestly, like when you don't, when you don't believe in something that you don't believe in someone, um, it's not there. It's right. It's like when you say you trust someone, it's because they've been consistent and they've been reliable. If you trust something, it has been consistent. It has been reliable. And trust is just like, you know, uh, a trust fund. It's an accumulation of moments where someone or something has been reliable or consistent. That's how you get trust. And you can't get the love if you don't have that. You know, you can't get the love if you don't have empathy. All these things are like really important in any good faith and sometimes religion. If they don't incorporate those, those kinds of things in their doctrine, it's probably not a good religion. Facts. Sorry, I forgot we were on a podcast. I'm nodding. Yeah. There uh, we go. Um, no, it's all good. I got I gotta read more, man. <laughs> Every time you talk, man, I just shit. I gotta... Nah man. Nah man. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't, it's a compliment, bro. Although we talk a lot, but like damn. <laughs> nah man, you tripping. Anya, can I ask you a question? Of course. Tell people something that is dear to you that you don't think or you you wouldn't you you wouldn't expect to be asked about or you wouldn't you probably assume that most people wouldn't be into it, but it's something that you geek out over. Like for me, it's God. For mm-hmm. me, it's the universe. Um, people use, like, I don't think people are going to, it's not what they're looking for. Right. But if we get into it, we get into it. But what, what moves you and just makes you so excited to talk about, even if you think most people wouldn't be into it? It's not I a would trick hope question. Lots of, no, I would hope lots of people are into it. It just sounds so, um, it, it sounds so awfully earnest, I guess. Um, I love collective human endeavor. I love it. Like I watch the Olympics, I cry just immediately. It's just the, the idea of somebody like working so hard and knowing the team that was behind that, you know, to, to get somebody to that place, a whole bunch of voices singing together, any choir crying, just anything that is built by a community of people who are striving for something greater than themselves together, it just kills me. And kindness in that way as well. Like, I think I cry more from seeing kindness and experiencing kindness than I do from sadness. Like, I just get very overwhelmed by people showing love and being kind. It, it kills me. That's amazing. It's kind of sounded like the best commercial for my brand, Human Race, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I just wrote it down that that's the oh my goodness. human endeavor. So, yes, that, man. That's it's, the one. It's so good. And you're right. It's like what, what you're able to see um, when people come together, you, you, you get to see the, 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 the wave of energy that comes from them. That they just naturally vibrate when they come together. Yeah. And that is, it is, it is overwhelming. And it's the same thing you, you, you really um, brilliantly pointed out. It's the same thing that you feel when you listen to a choir. It's like when you hear, you know, 30, 40 voices picking, choosing parts or harmonies and the intonation that you, that one feels is just overwhelming. It can make you cry. The right song can make you cry. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, with a choir. Yes, sir. It can just, it's just too much because um, that's God. 
I, I hadn't seen, uh, I can't believe I was so late to the party, but I hadn't seen 20 feet from stardom and hearing all of those incredible backing singers talk about finding the space where all of their voices melded together and that being the goal to just create a unanimous voice between all of these incredible singers. Like, again, that made me cry. I just cry a lot. I get very overwhelmed and <laughs> salt water comes out of my eyes and, you know, it makes me feel better. It's amazing. 20 feet from, from what was it? 20 feet from stardom. Oh, it's so good. Oh. And also yeah. what's fun about that is then you get to go on like the really fun journey of looking up each of the singers individually and checking out all of their music and their music's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. So happy for them when they, when that film got made, cause it was like, mm -hmm. no one would ever give them that kind of attention. Yeah. And just that, that whole, that whole, the, the diligence and the willingness that went into making that, that in itself is like, you know, that's, gives you the same kind of feeling it's like yes someone knew to point that out someone knew to give those people that visibility to give them that audition um audition meaning something to listen to but to give them that like audio space like that's that was beautiful yeah it just blows my mind yeah i'm curious i'm, I'm throwing this out to to everybody what okay. is your relationship with sleep not dreaming necessarily but like sleep I Are you scared it. of it? Do you love it? Is it easy for you guys to do it? Hard. I love it. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say it's hard for me to fall asleep because I start to sit in my bed and think of all the things that I could be doing. But once I'm asleep, mm. it's easy to sleep. What about you, bro? I love sleeping. You don't sleep. I do. How how many hours a day I do you get, P? Five, it's like five, six yeah. hours. So, so that's where sometimes I'm seven. Five, six. Sometimes, oh, sometimes seven. Not enough, though. I love sleep. I love it. I love it. What about you? What's your relationship with sleep? I was terrified of sleep. Again, going to go just like very deep, very quickly. But like as a kid, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that my parents would go into this land that I couldn't follow them to. And they'd just stay there. <laughs> yeah. And so like as a kid, I just, I convinced myself I had to stay awake and say like in case something happened to them and I had to like be prepared and whatever. And then I became an insomniac forever. Like I've only Whoa. just started to sleep in the last two years, like properly. I was like a three hour, four hour person no for way. a very long time. And now I'm at five, six and I feel good about that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah okay. for a very yeah, long time, five, I was just like, no. Yeah, I don't go to bed till two or three in the morning every night. I try to be out. I sleep. I will You're knock so out lucky. at about ten thirty, ten thirty or. 11. I woke up with a sock off before. <laughs> One sock on. That's how. That's how hard. That's how hard I slept. I love. That, that's like my favorite sleep. You wake up like nothing better than waking up like damn, I slept good. So y'all, I'm always so jealous that. of people that can just fall asleep. I walk onto set like I'm. Especially if, if I'm, if I know I'm waking up at like four o'clock in the morning or I'm going to work at four, then I definitely don't sleep. But then I'd show up and there are people that just, they can sleep anywhere. And I'm so yeah. jealous of that ability because it is a superpower. People that can yeah. power nap, that can do all of that stuff. That is a superpower and you cannot convince me otherwise. Yeah. I mm -hmm. love that. I'm into that. Yeah. I can get on a plane. I'm out. No, I don't sleep mm -hmm. on a plane. That's different. I'm just... <laughs> that, what, is your, what is your what is what is your plane experience? Uh, the plane is the worst experience ever in life. I don't. I, I hate it. That's the most terrifying moment of my life ever. Is it because in it's my... a sideways building hurtling through the sky? I mean, what's what's oh scary God. about that, man? It's, you just it's killed fine. Me again. <laughs> it, it, uh, listen, we we've been on millions of flights. I need a remedy, man. If you got any suggestions on how I can relax on the plane i got you please help no i can't no scott ambien i tried that before and i had like a crazy like <laughs> dream and i almost jumped off the plane like you, you want to oh, hear yeah. you want to hear my ambient experience on a plane which is why i never took it again <laughs> yes i never took it please. again please go what happened i was going to brazil with all my friends for a christmas break 
and mm-hmm. uh, the 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 plane from uh, Los Angeles to Brazil is the big plane, and I took an Ambien because it was a fourteen hour flight, and mm-hmm. um, I probably took when did it, you take it though? I took it about two hours into the flight. Three hours into oh, the you flight. Did. Yeah, you messed up. And uh, my friend uh, said to me, <laughs> he, <laughs> my friend said to me when we landed, he woke me up. He goes, look at your um, look at your uh, camera. I had a camera, a digital camera. He goes, look in your digital camera. I go, what do you mean? He goes, just look at it. And I was walking around taking pictures with all these random people. I was sleepwalking. No. <laughs> yeah, no. no, you can't do that. <laughs> That's crazy. He goes, no. he goes, I've never seen you with so much personality in my entire life. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I have That's the photos. It. I'll try and find them. You got to send them to us, man. It was insane. Oh, I was but like, listen, okay, I would take, I I would take that experience. I would take that experience over just being on a plane, just sitting there, like, just sitting. That's the most, ter- like, you just sitting like this, and all you hear is, and it shake every now and then. Like, how, like, who, like, that's the, it's terrible. That's terrible. It doesn't, but doesn't that it. tell you everything about human beings, that the idea of, like, being out of control and having to surrender to somebody else, like, driving this thing is, like, so terrifying? That's what it is, right? Like he mm-hmm. look, my brother been helping me. He been helping me. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But like <laughs> he be helping me, man. I, I listen. I had the roughest time on on the plane. I take anything. I took Ambien. I take any drug to get over <laughs> this, you know. But that's it. It's the control, I think. But if it's the control, why, why, why I'm not so scared? Like if I'm on a bus, it's another bus driver. I ain't controlling this. Yeah, so you, like, but exactly it's because so. you're not on the you're not on the ground. You're, yeah, you're on the it's ground. The ground. So why don't y'all connect with? Why don't y'all understand that part? <laughs> <laughs> you're not on the ground. <laughs> like why don't? To be go- fair, like I was terrified of flying for a really long time, and then eventually I had to just kind of decide that okay, this is something that I have to do to do the thing that I love, and. Mm-hmm. I have made the choice to be on this plane. I have to be at peace with whatever happens on it. I know that oh, I will more than likely be fine. But just that's your, that's, that's, she just gave go. you the codes. She just that's gave the codes you gave me. She just gave you the codes. That's Yoda level of mind trickery. <laughs> like if I can just be like, listen, I look, this, I didn't chose it. Now you just got to deal with it. <laughs> and and when that shit starts shaking. What it, what happens when it's like you going through crazy tur- turbulence? You just say, "Look, I didn't chose this now. This is what I do." Yeah, turbulence is turbulence. Fact- turbulence yeah. is not a crash. Why do you use that word? Period. Because you can't be superstitious about it. It's a turbulence. It's a big difference, bro. It's shaking. but also like turbulence. Try try and remember the fact that like in any disaster ever, the people that survive are the people that are the most relaxed. Like I remember when I was a kid, I found out that one of the people that had been pulled out of the water um, when the Titanic sank was the guy that like went to the bar and got super, super drunk. And there was so much alcohol in his system that he like didn't freeze in the water. Oh, and wow. people See, say that, that like when that... planes crash, like very drunk people also survive because they're loose. Oh, I'm good. So maybe... I be drunk. I get super drunk. <laughs> so maybe don't, don't I'm not saying like is. be super drunk on a plane. I'm just saying I'm like, super drunk. relax. They say that's that how I try. relax. They say that about car <laughs> accidents too. It's the the people what? who are mo- when you're locked in your seatbelt and you're and you're the most relaxed. It's the people that overreact and try and move around that end up getting hurt the most. Mm, okay, but you're on the ground. Or like tightrope walkers. Um, when you when you're gonna fall off, what you're supposed to do is relax, and then your body naturally finds its balance again. But if you like tense up, you're gonna fall off mm, the rope. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, bro. She gave you the codes. She did, but you have I to make still... a choice until you're willing to spare your nervous system because you're not I'm right never. now. You're just like, nope, nope, I'm scared. I'm just going to no, freak myself out. It's not just that, bro. It's not just, I'm, I, do you think I'm deciding to do this? I, I had to because I was just as scared as you were. I so was she. We had to make a conscious decision. First of all, both of y'all have never been my level of scared. Like y'all may have been concerned. <laughs> or just like, yeah, I'm talking about, you see me, man. Come on. I, if, it's, if we have a flight at 6, I'm drinking Jack Daniels at 6.01. And I don't even like to drink like that, but I'm taking shots and throwing them back. So by the time the wheels is up, I'm drunk. 
So, <laughs> and that, and I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed then. So look, we were talking about the mind and how it gives you dreams to tell you something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your, that same mind mm-hmm. is in control right now. You have given your mind unbridled governance to terrify you when it comes to flying planes. Okay, help me out. You have to make a conscious, meaning the mind, mm-hmm. you have to make a mind decision that when you take a, when you take a plane, you're going to trust A, God, uh-huh. the universe. Yep. You're going to trust that you've made this decision and so while you're in while you're in this this state of being not in control mm-hmm. every time you've gotten on a plane you've made a decision to put your life in the hands of air traffic control yes and the pilots yes and the machinery of the plane that's the part that fucks me up <laughs> no it doesn't fuck you up you've already made that decision you don't realize it okay i made so, the decision so it yeah. doesn't do so all of the hype that you've gotten up until now Every time you hit turbulence, mm. you've made a very bad decision to get on the plane. No, not get on the plane. You made a decision to <laughs> trust everything about the fact that you got to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But you want to just—you're stressing yourself out for no reason. You're, the stress that you're going through cannot aid you at all. In fact, it doesn't even make you feel better when you choose to go down those like rabbit holes. You feel worse. Like there's no benefit to it at all, right? So that's when you have to make a, you have to go in and you have to override your system to say, I'm going to make a conscious decision. I'm going to make a mind, mental, cerebral decision that while I have made the decision to be on this flight in transit, Mm -hmm. that I'm going to trust that everything's cool. And when I hit turbulence, I'm going to, my body's going to react. It's going to be shocked. I'm shocked every time we hit turbulence, we go through it. But, but. I respect the fact that it's just turbulence. You haven't made that decision yet. Okay, so listen. Do you say that to yourself when it's turbulent? Do you have that conversation? Like, I, I'm going to respect I, I used my to, decision. I used to have to make that. So now, now, like now it's just like, oh, damn, this is uncomfortable. It's turbulence. Yo, I don't like it. My armpits get sweaty. Just, just as, again, pretty macabre, but throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go down, would you rather go down like laughing or like really terrified because you can choose to see turbulence. It's like, <laughs> I get that. I feel it, but okay. I making a good point. When you I go you, down on a roller coaster, did case. you choose to be freaked out or did you choose to laugh and enjoy it? I laugh and enjoy it. You know why? I think because my mind knows this is what this is supposed to do. And you are on the ground still technically. It's all control. You got to make a conscious decision. I bro. still don't understand how to do that. You do. But also, like, turbulence is not dangerous. Turbulence yes. doesn't put, like, it, it doesn't affect planes. And so if you know that, and I, I swear that's true because I've done a lot of research into it because, again, I was terrified. Like, turbulence will not hurt you. So choose really? to be like, ooh, free roller coaster, kind of. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, just a little yeah, bit I get of fun it, I get it. I for get a little it. bit of time. Listen, it's like turbulence is always scary, but it's turbulence. That's what you need to make. The, you need to determine the difference between turbulence and a real crisis. It's okay. not a crisis. You go to 100 every time. Every time. It's like, it's like, okay, you know what? It's like having to get a shot or like having to draw blood. The mm. needle's not fun. It's not, not fun. No. But mm-hmm. you don't have to have the fear of dying because you're having a needle. Because... You know the difference. I know the difference. And man. you I have not know, learned as many times you've, you've, you've experienced turbulence. Mm-hmm. You've not determined in your brain that you haven't died yet. You just got to come to realization that you're still living. It's a work in progress. Anya, thank you so much. Pharrell, thank, thank you so you much, Scott. Thank you for having me. No, no, no. I'm just saying for this moment of clarity on these planes. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> for I that. I really hope it helps, man. I really I hope it helps. Because it. it's fucking awful being scared. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. Nobody likes being scared. I have the final the question. Ooh. Ready? <laughs> um, as an actor, like, getting started in the business, most of the opportunities that are presented to you uh, in the beginning aren't necessarily how you would envision your acting career to go. 
And now after having such a successful uh, project like Queen's Gambit, where everyone now looks at you differently, uh, uh, do you feel the responsibility of being presented with ideas where you can now have the power to say no and choose the one that you really want to do? I feel like I've been very lucky um, that I've always kind of felt that way about my career because at the end of the day, whatever you choose to do, like I, I picked one job for the wrong reasons, which is I thought I was never going to work again. Somebody offered me a job and I was just like, I'll do it immediately. And then a week in, I thought, I can't do this again. Like I, I can't give of my, I can't give of my heart and my spirit and my brain and my entire life. Like you give up your life to play somebody, you know, that's, or at least that's the way that I do it. And, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that again. And so I think the difference is I'm learning to say no or to flag when people tell me to want things that I don't want, if that makes sense. So it's less, you know, Amen. like I feel pretty, I feel pretty good about my nose, but there are some jobs where they're so big or they're so this or so whatever that people are like, you'd be crazy not to want it. And I'm like, maybe I'm crazy, but it's not mine. It's just, I, I, I don't want it. And I don't want to be made to feel like I'm supposed to want it because it's, you know, going to catapult me to blah, 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 blah. blah. Like it, it just <laughs> doesn't work that way. Tell them Aries. <laughs> awesome this was amazing you guys this has been really nice I hope that was alright with all of the spiritualism and the yeah it's great that's, that's great. what we love to it's talk great. about it's great we don't want you to do like I mean you're gonna like you said you do interviews where you know they you get asked a thousand times the same questions we didn't we don't we don't want to do that I mean I'm not a I'm not a journalist I don't know what the hell I'm doing. All I'm doing is just emoting and acting off of uh, curiosity. Mm -hmm. And um, my cohorts, colleagues. I'm just picking it. You know, <laughs> I mean, they have, their, they have their own interests and the reasons why they do these things. But I just like communicating and connecting with people, you know, like that I feel like are just elevated, you know, in their existence. And I think you're just, you're definitely one of those people. I just... I knew instantly when, when you got on, I was like, oh, she's like the real thing. So it's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. This has been really fun. And thank you for the uh, insight on the plane. You, you kind of solidified what he's been telling me for, for years. No worries, dude. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Bye, everybody. All right, bye. bye. Other tone, tone, tone. Subscribe to Other Tone wherever you get your podcast. And follow us on Instagram. New episodes drop every Monday. Other Tone is hosted by Pharrell Williams, Fam Lay, and Scott Venner. Executive producers, Pharrell Williams, Scott Venner, and Moses Shoyula. Engineers, Mike Larson, Mike Hernandez. Theme music is by Thundercat. Other Tone is produced in collaboration with the team at Gilded Audio. Ivana Tucker, Whitney Donaldson, and Nick Dooley. 